reason that I bring Mark with me. So. Because of the evil. The evil that lurks in the hearts of men. Who knows? The ginger knows. Wah, 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 wah. What a Please release me, let me go. We obviously oh, Cranston to go ahead and beat not in love up. with is you that, is anymore. Alan Cranston? What is his name? Alan Cranston. The Shadow. Oh, the Shadow. That's What was his name? Alan Alex? Now I've got to wonder. Alec Baldwin was the actor. I don't know what the name of the character is. I don't know. I have no idea. I also have no idea who's in chat because they're not sounding out. Oh, I was hoping somebody would give me some singing uh, advice. Please don't sing. Do I do it? Lamont, Lamont. Cranston. Lamont Cranston. There Thank you, Rick. But yeah, so not completely crazy. obviously to fight the evil in the world, we need to have Lamont Cranston to, to have with his double 45s and his fists take care of the No, evil. no, it's the modern day version. Only the Pablo knows. Only the Pablo knows? It's correct. Ooh. Only the Pablo knows. Ooh. And I am the Pablo. Wait. I was about to say, no, Pedro, have Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal would make a great shadow. He would. He would. Look, only my cat makes a good shadow. See, it can't even find him again because he's disappeared into the ether. Mm-hmm. It's been that kind it of week. It is. Where the, El- be? the Alec Baldwin movie was was somewhat hokey in its way, but it was fun to watch because I've been a big fan of, of The Shadow for a very long time. A very long time? Well, you very, are pretty very, very long time. You are pretty oh, damn old, so it would be a long time. I actually have a, a set of cassette tapes of episodes of The Shadow lurking around on one of my shelves. I, hang on, I've got to, now I've got to find this. <laughs> I'm surprised they're not an A-track. You know, I bought it at the time frame that it could have been an 8-track. <laughs> Terry's going to go get his 8-track player. <laughs> it's going to be that kind of day. I can already tell. Okay. So, if you enjoyed... So, seriously, if you, so if you liked if you liked the, the those old-timey radio plays, only the shadows... Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I was part of a full cast that Jay Smith did called Hidden Harbor Mysteries, and right. it was in the vein of those old timey things. And the, one of the best parts about it is that you know, um, friend of the show and the best hype man ever, Dave Robinson, Robinson, um, was the announcer for it, mm-hmm. and it would always start out with old timey like cigarette commercials. Oh my God, Terry! So, wow! Just check wow. it out. Cassette tapes. I don't have a cassette tape player anymore, but I have the tapes. Here we go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put the link for this in the Discord live channel. There is. Before I jump the subject, there's a. Uh, someone has the Caesar in the the public domain or they got the rights from the family. I can't remember which, but somebody is writing doc savage and shadow crossovers. What? Where they're working together. Okay. This sounds like brain damage. It sounds like it would be fun. I I keep meaning to buy one and check it out, but I haven't gotten around to it. 
Hmm. I'll hunt for the links and I'll put it in the live when I find them. Well, you know, we managed to make it over the two-minute mark. We're at four minutes, so I guess it's time for me to say howdy, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Dev Robot Society. I am Paul E. Cooley. Joining me, as always, Ms. Veronica, Mrs. Veronica Jaguar. I like to say Ms. Veronica Jaguar. It just sounds Ms. more... It, Ms. works. I mean, it, it's Ms. one of those, like, it's... Yeah, Ms. is, it, it works for whatever. I used to insist that people would call me Miss if they were younger than I Well, when I was like under 25 and married, they're like, just can't <laughs> because it sounds weird when some 18 year old is Mrs. Yeah, it's like, uh, dude, no. Well, regardless, it's Ms. Veronica anyway. Jaguar and, of course, Terry Mixon. Terry, that guy, Mixon. I have to be kind of kind of happy with with, with the because then you know I get you. So, you Life know. is harsh sometimes. It is. So going in that vein, V, what the hell have you been up to? Uh, I've actually had a really good week, and I feel bad about that. You should. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I managed. So. For if I have, I've mentioned a couple times, I'm the education director for. Sorry, I'm the. Okay. So the Professional Narrative, Professional Audiobook Narrative Association of Pana. We've got a continuing ed arm of it, and I'm in charge of it, or I'm, I'm the director of it. And we had our first webinar for the year. And. It went really well. We had like 75 people show up for it, which is unheard of. That was like more than a quarter of the membership. Um, and the speaker was great. It went really well. Um, and I was terrified the entire time because I was like, oh my gosh, something's going to crash. It's not going to work. Zoom is going to break on me. But it worked just fine. Except I forgot to press the record button until about three minutes in. <laughs> so, you know. Not something I can fix in post, but eh. Um, but it went really well. Good. And I wound up getting paid for some gigs that I'd done, which is nice. Cash flow is nice. And the author wants to book the next two books in that series. So more work. Excellent. And then I'd sent two auditions last week and I got the I got an email earlier this week and I apologize for everyone, you know, on the East coast, if your small animals jumped or there were windows shattering, cause I shrieked with delight cause I actually got cast and it's my first book with a large publisher. Yay. So it only took, um, 13 years from the first audiobook I narrated or, um, seven years from when I went, well, six and a half from when I started going full time, but yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I'll get the script soon. I usually they say that you can't talk about the book when, um, they're from larger publishers, but I'm excited about it. It'll be fun. It's nonfiction. So I'm not sure if anyone's going to hear is going to want to listen to it, but I am going to enjoy that heck out of recording it. Oh, cool. And, um, Yeah. I've had a pretty decent week. Yay. How dare Yay. you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mr. Mixon. Before we get to what I'm doing, go into the live and look at the second link I sent you there. And look at this 
selection of, of different pulp stuff that this guy is putting out. I'm assuming hmm. because either they've got he's got permission and or public domain things going on, but hmm. all kinds of stuff here. Pulpy, pulpy, pulpy. Tarzan, the spider. Spicy Zeppelin stories. Who doesn't need a spicy Zeppelin story? A spicy Zeppelin story? Mm-hmm. I'm totally unsure what a spicy Zeppelin story is, but now I am intrigued. Uh, now I'm I scared. Am too. I'm very Unfortunately, scared. it's only got four ratings. Um. <laughs> well, this isn't on Amazon. It's just a listing of books. Or is it on Amazon? I can't remember what I saw. No, this is well, not I clicked it. It went to Amazon's. Yep. Really? The second link? Oh, the first one. No, the, the second, second one. Oh, the second one's the books. Okay, got gotcha. I see. Oh, wow. Wild Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Which just became public domain. Huh. Interesting. At least in its entirety here in the U.S. Hmm. But yeah, who doesn't love a little pulp? As for it's me... It's something orange juice. Uh, yeah, there is that. It's not, that's not my thing. I, I've been sick the last couple of three days, had fever, chills, that kind of nonsense. And I've got an eye infection, so that's why I keep messing with it. Even though I've got antibiotic in it, it still is leaky. Leaky eye. Can't see clearly out of it. Um, haven't written a whole lot. Haven't done anything a whole lot other than rest in bed and be grumpy. Because that's what you know guys do when they're sick. They get grumpy in bed. Um. I did have some interesting fever dreams before going to sleep the other night and came up with four really interesting, powerful scenes that I'm going to include in two in the last hero, the last hunter series and two in the upcoming series that I'm going to use that I jotted down that actually stood up after having them. So I'm pleased with that. Who doesn't like it? It's like maybe my brain was super clocked. That's it. It turned the processor up a couple of notches because of the fever. Just a couple of notches? A couple of notches. Don't want to burn out that CPU. Uh-huh. So basically you're convalescing is what you're telling me. Yeah, and I'm still not quite done. My wife has eye surgery on Monday morning where she's going to get the lenses in both eyes replaced. So very exciting there. She'll have some recovery sleeping with goggles to make sure she doesn't mess with anything and it'll improve her vision tremendously from where it is. And I've already taken advantage of that by buying a scary mask to wake her up with uh, the next one. <laughs> my I, favorite, that's one I of actually, my favorite bits for, for, I actually, for Futurama. I actually didn't buy that, but you know, because I'm not that mean, but you know, I, I would think about it. <laughs> Wow. I don't know if you've ever seen Futurama, one of the first episodes, or one of the later episodes, you know, that they're, they're basically people get frozen and they get brought out. So the robot, the bad robot, Bender, is like, all right, he's going to open up this cage. He puts on this, this ape mask. <laughs> so the person wakes up from the 20th century, the first thing he sees is an ape going, ah! <laughs> and then he refreezes him. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's rough. Damn, you damn dirty apes. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. Well, I'm glad y'all had great weeks. I'm glad y'all had great weeks. Yeah. Fuck 2024. So my cat, Shadow, is very, very sick. 
Uh, he's eating again, thankfully, but he's either got lymphoma or some form of IBS, but he's down to six pounds. So we're trying to get weight on him as quickly as possible. And uh, other stuff has been going on, but uh, today capped it all off. <laughs> today capped it all off. 7.15 in the morning after I just laid down for a nap, I'm half asleep because I got up at like 3.30, and my mom calls. Your father's fallen in the bathroom and he can't get up. Can you come help? Those are the most terrifying words I think I've heard in the last 10 years. Because I've heard some pretty terrifying words. But in the last 10 years, that was, okay, he broke his hip, he shattered his skull. What's happened? I don't even know if he's conscious. I don't know anything. So I drove in a haze to, to there. Turns out he slipped. He fell into the, into the tub. Banged himself up, no major problems, no major issues, everything's okay on that front, but I had literally 15 minutes of downtime before I got into the show. <laughs> so um, I'm a little out of sorts. It's been that kind of week. It's been that kind of day. So uh, you'll have to forgive me a little bit of the crazy, but uh, yeah, it has sucked. It has really, really sucked. So if you're waiting on stuff from me, I can tell you there's been a lot of things this week that kept me from going to, oh, I don't know. Send your package, Antoine. <laughs> I will get to what I promise. So, very, so very politely on behalf of Paul, back the fuck off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. I, I see Rick. Uh, Thank you. Was uh, sitting there in the in the chat, and I want to make sure that he knows that now that my my uh, wife is getting her eyes fixed, the people at the range will definitely appreciate that. Mm. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm very afraid. <laughs> you ever watch, uh, uh, God, what was it, the Police Academy movies with the old lady? With right. the gun? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's got like the 44 Magnum with the, the 12-inch mm-hmm. barrel or 12-inch long barrel. That's pretty much how my wife is at the range. So, yeah, so everybody's going to be real happy that, that, you know, she can see. Jesus Christ. Actually, I don't think that's. I don't think that was Police Academy. There was something else. Something it's, very it's, much it's like it. In the survivors. In the survivors. Um, it was somebody's mother. My, oh, yeah. my mom has a. My mom has a gun. Is that? Stop what or my mom will shoot. Stop or my mom will shoot. You see, that's you see it. all the shitty. Well, they're all only shitty Sylvester Stallone movies. But you see all the shitty movies. So of course you should. You have seen that one. So apart from Shadow, my father, and other minor major disasters going on, I've edited, oh God, I went through uh, another passive arrival, and, or arrival, which book am I working on? Evolution, thank you. Went through another passive evolution, and then went ahead and tried Grammarly on it as well, and found some interesting things. Uh, I have to say, I like the free version, it finds duplicate words, which is kind of nice, but uh it's been good for spot checks, and it's basically a, a sanity pass, and I'm doing it right now with Oceania before I actually go in and do the hardcore edits, because I want to see what it's catching while I'm going through there, so I know what to look for when I actually go through and start doing it you know, by hand, so to speak. So I'm letting Evolution sit for a couple of days while I work on Oceania. So when I come back to Evolution, hopefully what's the final pass, hopefully, then uh, I'll be up to snuff on both stories as they're going forward because they're kind of connected in the way. So there's some stuff I got to do there. So I'm, I'm slowly moving that way 
in that direction <laughs> as far so, as getting things done. When using Grammarly, did you find that the correctness portion was more relevant than all the rest? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Pretty I, much. I wonder how many other people feel the same way. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. with, with and, and I guess I, I was going to talk about this a little bit. Um, granted, I'm only using the free version. What's interesting is, is that even if you tell it, hey, this is informal, this is slang's allowed, and I'm telling a story, it backs the fuck off, but it doesn't back all the way off because it still tries to get you to correct a lot of dialogue. And I have news for you. People don't speak in complete sentences. Their punctuation is all over the place. Anything with the dialogue tags, unless it's absolutely egregious, needs to be left the fuck alone because chances are it's that, it's that way for a reason. I'll listen to comma suggestions. Yeah, comma suggestions. Comma suggestions in dialogue. That's, that's fine. When it finds duplicate words in dialogue, that's great because nobody wants to see the, the, of, of. That's fantastic stuff. But other things that it catches, you're kind of like, you know what? That's my style. Stop fucking with my style. Go away. Yeah, with I don't remember what all the various sections are. Uh, they've got a clarity section. They've got something else. But the correctness session, I use 80 to 90% of the suggestions. The other ones, I ignore 80 or 90% mm -hmm. of the suggestions. So I just stop using the other ones. Yeah, I mean, clarity can just basically tell you you've got a lot of passive stuff in there. But that again, what are you writing? Where are you in the story? What are you telling? Is it a lot of passive you, yeah, voice and dialogue? That wouldn't surprise me. It just My depends on what you're looking for. So I'm not concerned. No, and like I said, I'm just using it to catch some some really low hanging fruit, stupid stuff, and finding out my new bad habits. And I've gotten into a lot of really bad ones, and I'm trying to break myself of them. Do you so have a that's... macro set up to go look for all the things that you know you do badly? Not yet. <laughs> I do. I have that as part of my do. check, you know, so that I can go in there and find all the overused phrases that I continually use all the damn time. I do look at word frequency. I look for fuck in all of its many, many forms, including motherfucker and, and you know, et cetera, and God fucking damn it and whatever else you can con contemplate so I can get a, an F-bomb count. I do do that for every book now. If it's like over put it 50... The, put it in the back thing, you know, F-bomb rating of... Yeah, if it's between 50 and 100, I'm doing good. Oh, could, you, could you do this like a percentage? Like a percentage of the total word count? I mean, that... That that could be a badge of honor, Rio. Well, in in Jake uh, Bible's um, perpetuity, <laughs> I think it was one tenth of one percent was f bombs, with something like two hundred, three hundred fifty of them. And that was in the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard I him. I could say that's not a fair statement, but it would be an utter lie. It's true. It was <laughs> in the first chapter. <laughs> And this poor key's got a lot of work. So I'm still I'm still putting together my list of bad bad things like hyphens. I'm terrible about hyphens. Just absolutely god awful about hyphens. Yeah, I I usually pay attention to the hyphen suggestions as well. Oh, god awful I, about them. I, I got to tell you that um, Grammarly for doing that sanity check of passing through and looking for that kind of thing, just using the correctness part is helpful for me because I, I dislike sending the editor a product that has flaws that I could have fixed. Right, and that's what I'm trying to get to is so that when, when beta readers or whomever gets this next draft, there's nothing low-hanging. Everything should be 
wow, this is really a fuck up in plot or this is a fuck up in who's speaking or something along those lines. The stuff that Grammarly can't catch. See now, JR says all yeah. oh, those participles are left hanging. All yep. I can see is a scene from the movie Oscar where Tim Curry is talking to one of the mobsters and going, oh, such and such, your participle is dangling. And the guy looks at him like this, and he turns around and he's like looking down at his pants. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, so anyway, I am am making use of it and kind of moving in that way. I have not installed the desktop version because I don't want that crap on my my machine at all. But uh, I am... It's very... I found it a useful tool. It's worth... It's worth it for what I allow it to do for I'm me. I'm still paranoid about having anybody's software looking at my writing, goddammit, that was talking back to the cloud that I have a problem with. Well, then so. Grammarly's not going to be your friend. It's not. <laughs> I think ProWriting Aid may be a local install, but I don't really know. Well, Grammarly does have a desktop install. Oh, does it? I did not realize yeah. that. It does. If you do the desktop install, you can run it from your browser. You can run it in any, any place you're typing, supposedly. Okay. All right. I have not gotten that. that I may have yet. to look at that. Since I'm a, I'm a premium user, I may go ahead and look and see about that because I would like to be able to use it without having to connect to the web. Thank you, JR. Um, so that's been my productivity trash heap of week. Productive Productivity trash heap of week, something like that. We can't even begin to... But see, here's the problem. I have nobody I can yell to about this. It's untrue. I have nobody I can yell at. All the time. You can yell at me. I have no one I can hold accountable for this. I have no one but the universe to hold accountable. That is unsatisfying. I want a face. I want a body. I want an organization. I want a a whatever that I can sit there. a A target. That's right. I want a target that I can... Hot bullets at, so, that I can smash my fist into and say, you are the problem. You are the reason my life sucks. Fuck you and everything you stand for. So I don't it, have that. Is it Spectre that you're looking for? Or is it the guy that with the Hello? shoe? The enemy with the shoe? That guy. Is it Spectre you're looking for? Who was the Because I've been blackmailing bitches who was, who all day. Was Agent Smart's enemy? I can't remember Chaos. what they... K-A-O-S. Chaos? Yes, Chaos. Agents of Chaos. I mean, I, I was I was thinking you could even go far as, if you're going to yell at Terry, just take it a step further, and you're like Inspector Gadget and Dr. Claw, because all you've got is the guy petting the cat. <laughs> yeah, but you know, his, his his voice is way too high for that. We, we need to like, we need to dial it down. There it is. Start speaking like this. I don't know if he's got it. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Exactly. <laughs> Why no, Mr. Cooley? I expect you to die. If I do, Mr. Cooley, I expect you to write. Uh, so uh, what I'm really trying to say here is I would like an antagonist whose ass I could kick and blame for all this. Oh, no, wait a second now. What kind of fun is being able to kick the antagonist's ass? If you're going to have a decent antagonist, they've got to have some staying power. You can't just walk up and kick the antagonist's ass. He's got to be a threat that you run around. Twenty, twenty fucking three. But that's not a 20 real villain. Twenty fucking twenty four. Oh bullshit! They're villains. Twenty twenty three is not a no, villain. No, no, no. It's it's a nature survival thing. Survive <laughs> nature. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a like, that, that's a nebulous monster in the house. That's the <laughs> that's that that that's that's it's not a tangible. 
that's not a tangible being that can be defeated. Well, and a, there's you froze with your you were like this. It was great. <laughs> Who, Paul or me? You. You were like this. sweet. <laughs> Screen grab. Um. <laughs> but, <laughs> me. <laughs> oh dear Lord, now. But I think that's because a lot of times you write stories and it's you know protagonist versus the environment, pr- protagonist versus time, protagonist versus. Paul versus the apocalypse. Yeah, but it's not, you know, sometimes you just want good guy versus bad guy. And you got to make a bad guy that's worthy of your good guy. Well, obviously, this bad guy is too overpowered for me. I'm not fighting the good fight well enough. I'm getting You obviously did a villain like John Wick. Did a villain like John Wick? No. No, he's he's not a villain in the, in the movies, but he needs no. a villain like that to that is unrelenting. A tenacious villain. I call that time, fate, disease, those kinds of things. Time, fate, disease, John Wick. Yeah, John that's Wick. What yeah, it fits. yeah, that's that just kind of fits. Yeah, that's you know, if cancer doesn't get you, John Wick will. It's just you know a matter of time, really. So. How do I encapsulate all that I loathe and hate about the year 2023 and distill it into a force that I can put into a book? How do we distill all of that horseshit into an antagonist that I can toy with and mess with in a book? How do I do Absolutely that? Absolutely easy. I know exactly how you can do that. You go ahead and you turn it into a giant bureaucracy that different pieces of it just keep fucking with you. Every single thing you try to do, a different apparatus from the bureaucracy <laughs> continues to fuck with you. That's how you do it. That's that's now. <laughs> but there has to be somebody at the top pulling the strings. No, that's the fun with the bureaucracy. It's there inertia. is nobody it's, pulling the it's strings. Inertia is the enemy. <laughs> inertia momentum, or, or the the that's that's the enemy. And then and then also if you're unlucky, inefficiency. Coupled oh, in be with there. all that's of that. Be there too. <clears throat> There's a reason why the British have so many jokes about bureaucracy because holy shit. Well, they've had say. a while to you know, let the bureaucracy settle in. Mm. Yeah, you say that. Oh boy, I'm afraid that's simply not done. We're only coming out of your right speaker. Uh, perhaps you should check your balance levels because that ain't something we can control. <laughs> No. Yeah, I, I can hear just fine people in both ears, so it's you. It's on you, Xander. You. you know, Zander, maybe, not here maybe the fact that the CIA is plugged in and stealing the other half of your your earphones should be of a concern to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Don't start that. Don't start that. <laughs> Villains, antagonists, come on, help me here. This is the topic. I know, I threw up my idea, but that was an answer to your question. Um, What I think you need to know is that to make a satisfying villain for your thing, they can't be a pushover. They have to be something that, whether they are John Wick coming to kill you, or they're just the, the inefficient bureaucracy out to grind you down because you stand up, they have to be something that you just can't push aside. They're a force to be reckoned with in some way or another that must be contested against that you have to scramble to make the magic happen. 
they have, to have a reason that they're working against your protagonist. Like they have to have their own agenda. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just, eh, it's because I want to, there still has to be a reason behind the, you know, the I want to. <laughs> it's Ken coming to kill me. That's such a great movie. A Fish Called Wanda. Oh, if you've never seen it, you really should. <laughs> Personally, I think the most interesting villains are the ones that are the heroes of their own story. They believe they're doing what they're doing because it serves the greater good. Not because they feel it serves them, but they're doing evil because the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. I think those make some of the most interesting villains. What about villains who are considered villainous for what they do, but what they're doing is what they have to do to live? Vampires, werewolves, anything that requires yeah. killing and eating. Are they villains? It's hard to see a werewolf as a villain because they're a victim. Well, it depends on how we're defining werewolf or how we're defining vampire, but throw that throw that stuff aside. I'm just saying from a general standpoint, where you're talking about a predator who's merely predating because that's what they have to do to feed, does that make them villainous? I say Not the villain the villainous comes with intent. Intent yeah, is necessary. Yeah. You know, if if if, if it's if it's one thing, it's one thing if they're just going to eat and run, but if they're going to bother playing with their food, that's a problem. And maybe, and maybe that's that's where the uh, maybe that's the rub, right? Mm-hmm. It's the it's when they turn it into something evil. It's one thing if I just, I mean, this is horrible, and I would never do this, obviously. But if I were if I were just an animal, and I was going to go kill another animal because I need to eat, I'm just going to eat that other animal. What I have to do to survive, and then leave, right? I'm not going to not only eat the animal, but then take choice pieces of it and litter it around the place and make a sculpture out of it. That's not fucking happening if I'm just a predator. That's a different way of looking at things and taking uh, joy in the killing, in the dismemberment, and flashing it up there for all to see as a work of art. That's completely different. There's a series written by um, an author named Kelly Armstrong. The first book of it is Bitten. And it is the story of a woman that is bitten by a werewolf. And it's the story of her and these werewolves and their somewhat antagonistic relationship with one another. Mm -hmm. And they have that struggle within. They have the predators within, the wolves inside. And they have to come up with their own methods of dealing with that. And dealing with those who violate the rules, who do things that are beyond the pale. And they are draconian in in dealing with those lapses. And you kind of have to be if you're trying to hide your society and keep it hidden. You kind of have to take take that seriously. They lock themselves into cages to avoid being the ones that hurt others. If, If you have a monster inside, it's your responsibility to bind the monster. And if, if you haven't read that book or that series, I recommend it. It's, it's an excellent series. Hmm. They had a television show about it. Um, Bitten. Also, it's called Bitten, I think, right? I think it went a couple of seasons, and it was excellent as well. It didn't really follow 
all of this all the book in the story, mm-hmm. but it was a faithful representation of the themes that went on in it. And so I would recommend that TV series mm-hmm. as well. I mean, that's a common trope, though. If you've got if if you have a if you have a character that is, say, werewolf, vampire, something that is normally a villain or is normally out there to kill people, it's it's you're going to make them into a not villain. They have to they the first step is assuming responsibility for their actions and taking steps to prevent them from hurting people, prevent themselves from hurting people. So it's that, that humanization there or fr- becoming a more, more friendly towards humanity. One of the steps <laughs> that I think I thought was interesting in de- watching them deal with society. Uh, also, they lived out in the middle of nowhere. They were very insular because they didn't mix with other people. They didn't want to bring other people into their circle. And they were always very circumspect about how they dealt with their condition until someone crossed them. Mm-hmm. And then they were utterly ruthless in fighting back. Nothing was off the table. The monster came out to fight their enemies. <laughs> Terry, you are getting like the, the best, you know, bicep upper body workout. It's just it's it's you know if it was a, it was it was a medicine ball, it'd be what is like a Swiss a crunch or something. But instead, you've got Julius and just one side <laughs> around the No, I want to be on you. One I side, be on you now. Other. I mean, that's that that's some excellent you know resistance going right there. I think they were in Canada, actually. I think that's where the TV series had them placed somewhere in rural okay. Canada. Probably pack Northwest. I believe so. That makes sense. British mm-hmm. Columbia. That would make. Yeah. If there were werewolves on this planet, they would live in British Columbia. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe it wasn't Canada, but it was definitely the Pacific Northwest is where they were parked. But uh, yeah, yeah vampires, can, werewolves, those type of things. If you're going to have them as villains, they let their monsters do what they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What about... And where do my Garaga's children fit in that? (laughs) That's a great question. Because then, I mean, it's the... In some of those cases, you've got characters who want to be good, but something inside... Oh, yeah, some some deep seated, um, you know, feeling convention drive. You know, you're you're trying to. You, it's it, it winds up being a a case of you know self versus self, and trying to contain the monster within. Um, and are they are they going to turn or not? Or are they going to are they going to work against their nature or for their nature? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I wish it was always so polarly easy. I, and yeah, I'm I'm grossly simplifying. I know this, but I I I, I know and, and people at remote work know I like to play in that gray area a lot, oh, yeah. especially with the the villains because. Uh, 
they have reasons for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Their reasons make perfect sense to them. Yeah. Some of and them are purely biological. Yeah, and sometimes the way that you make the the way you have like tiers of villains or tiers of antagonists, where you have someone are someone you have someone who starts out maybe in the first act. Well, bleh. I know I have gross simplifications. Oh, it's so disgustingly gross. Like, oh, gag me with a spoon. <laughs> Don't ever do that again, please. Like, oh my god, why? Oh, as it is. <laughs> I want to see. Oh, I want to see oh, the super dude ones. werewolf, dude. <laughs> <laughs> With the fangs, dude. dude. I think I actually did that in the uh, episode of Angel or Buffy. I don't remember which. It was a surfer vampire. I don't remember, but I just remember fangs and guy going, dude. I can see that. I can. It, it, yeah. Anyway, but um, the the idea of having you know your first act, you introduce someone who appears to be a villain, or maybe in the first book. Um, they're a villain, and then the only way that they get redeemed or shifted over to help your protagonist is by introducing an even worse villain. And so you have you have degrees because that that's pretty common in series where you introduce somebody and it looks like you've solved the problem, but oh no, there's a larger you know shadow back here that's actually pulling all the strings. So. There, if you look at E.E. E. Doc Smith's Skylark series, it's a four-book series, and the protagonist, Richard Seaton, is a smart, capable, good guy. His opponent is Mark C. DeQuesney. I think I pronounced that right. DeQueen. It looks like, it's all spelled like DeQuesney, but it looks like, I guess it sounds like DeQueen. Anyway. Duquesne? I'll look it up. Duquesne. 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 Maybe that's what it is. Duquesne. In any case, at the end of those four books, the hero doesn't have what it takes to do what is necessary to end the great evil. He fails. His, His own emotions and goodness get in the way of doing what is necessary to end the threat. And so the villain has to step in and use his coldness to end everything that the enemy is doing. Mm. And that worked well. It, it, even though the, it's pulp and the characters are all two-dimensional, it worked well for the story because the villain wasn't an enemy of humanity. He had a different idea of what was best for humanity. And so he would oppose Seton and his people trying to do what he thought. But when the bigger enemy threatened mankind, the gloves came off. He worked with his enemy, and he destroyed them. This is where I find so much fun in fiction in general. Is You start pointing out all the problems with your, with your prot- protagonist, whoever they might be. They're, they may have some screws loose. They may have you know, some personality problems. They may just be an asshole. But that's still a likable character if you can make them likable enough. But then you have, I, I always try and go at it with the same, the same possibilities with the antagonists. I try and make them fun. Try and give them a sense of, of whatever I can to make them more unreal in some cases, and in other cases, super real. 
super mundane. You want them to seem like mundane people when you meet them. Do you want them to, to seem like the, the average neighbor across the street? It's only when you start asking pointed questions. It's only when you start straying too far into their domain. It's only when you start putting a, a target on yourself by asking too many questions that that nature starts to show itself. And we really get the ideas of that. If you're just writing from the, step, from the um, point of view of the protagonist, you don't have a chance to see a lot of that stuff necessarily. You have to play with it a little bit differently. If you're writing a book where you're writing the POV from both the protagonist and antagonist, then you've got a different kind of cat and mouse game going on. Because you have a wonderful chance for suspense where each one of them thinks they know what the other's doing and they're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You have those wonderful moments where they can just force gump their way into an altercation without either one of them meaning to. Dumb and There's dumber. Dumb. <laughs> it doesn't have to be dumb and dumber. It could just be circumstance and happen chance. Just boom. And and that's how that can just kick off everything. And that's what that's what makes the story so much fun. I just love them. I just love it when you can, when you have, when you come up with an idea where you have a chance to tell both sides of the story without necessarily picking a side. But we all know everybody wants the side of the good guy. They want that guy to win. There have been times where I have rooted for the villain. <laughs> yeah, same. When I read the first book of The Strain, by the end of the book, I was rooting for the vampires. Why do you keep shitting on that series? You know, you know I love that series, the and you keep shitting on it. The characterization of the heroes was just so whiny. Oh, my God, I could not stand it. There's only one character in there that whines. And that's F. The main character. He's a main character. He's not he's the, the main character. He's the primary face of the good guy's side. So, yeah, by the end, I was rooting for the vampire. If you're reading it that way, you root for the villain in the black. <laughs> Damn, you must hate those characters I make. Well, that'll all be coming to an end at some point soon. I got to admit that um, liking the character of Mark C. DeCain was interesting because I was reading descriptions on a book by another author that I know named Reich Spoor, and I think I think it was the Sphere was the book he was writing, and when I read the description, the name was mentioned there, and it's just so specifically odd that my brain immediately screeched to a halt and brought me back to read the description more closely, and he had introduced that character into that series as a hero, a player hero. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I must read, and it's an excellent series. Interesting. If I'm going to write the the stories I want to write from Colette's point of view, she's going to be about as anti-hero as it can possibly get. Because that's the life she has to live. Has to live. So that 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 that's one of those things that's really interested me about writing those tales from her perspective is I really want to play in that place with the gray. Because it's one thing just to be an animal just to be a predator. It's another thing to be a predator with a conscience. It's another thing with a predator to be to have humanity. It's another thing for a predator to look around at society and not necessarily want to destroy it. Just trying to live among it. There's a lot of 
contention there that goes on with how that person handles themselves, how that being uh, adjusts their morality, their ethics, and everything else. And everything's on a sliding scale. There may be a point where they say that the here and no further, and yet biology may not accept that. So you kind of you kind of have to figure out where those constraints are that you can play with and make them happen. But that's such a fertile place. It's just it, it gives you so many opportunities to so, to do so many cool things with characters. It's just it's a, if you can come up with a story that allows you to take off with that kind of character, the readers will love it. They will chase that shit down. That's why they love people like Dresden. Dresden's a good guy, but he's also capable of doing some pretty evil shit. And you can look at, you can look at like Dexter. So you've got someone who's, who's definitely, you know, there's a code and he gets made into less of a villain because he goes after people who are worse than he is. Um, What was it? Season four, the John Lithgow. Oh that was God! A nightmare. That was as a parent. That was a fucking nightmare. So, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, go watch it. If you don't watch but, any Dexter, watch season four. Oh, it was the pinnacle, God. the absolute peak of that it show, was, and it's where it should have ended. Yes, yes, because everything after that. I don't, well, was the one with the church? Was that season five or season three? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. It might have been, se- I think it was season five. I just know I saw it coming because I saw the end coming because of the, the, the prescription drugs that were there. I'm like, Oh, I know what that's prescribed for. And then people sitting next to me like, what's like, I know I can't say, I can't say it's like, well, what is, nope, nope. I know exactly what's going on. So, but yeah, season four creeps you out, but a wonderful example of creating a villain who you are rooting, you are rooting for the guy with the questionable code and the sharp knives to take him out. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no, because nobody else, because there's no other solution. Then here's the big bad. The here's the, the questionable cold. Here's the big bad. Here's the bigger bad. Which one yes. would you like? Yep. Yep. And, and, that, and that, um, I think that's what makes those stories so fantastic is, is that asks the question. And also it brings up, okay, what would you do in this situation? Yeah. Or you've, you, when you wind up having, you, you wind up having a villain, you, you, it's like you said, you have someone with questionable morals or who has license to do terrible things because they're not active, because they can advise on it. I mean, Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. You have to have a horrible person to catch a horrible person. Uh. Did you read Red Dra- Did you ever read Red Dragon? No, it's on the bookshelf somewhere. Mighty Ginger has it. He's read it. Holy fucking shit! That makes Silence of the Lambs look like a, a children's story. I think Red Dragon. I will is- then. I will ha- for for my sanity. I will happily stick to the um, frilly football romance because <laughs> in that right now, I mean the the one that I've got to record the villain is the. Uh, university administration and I'm fully behind the university administration being evil because they are but <laughs> it's not Trouble. it's not intentionally evil it's just evil by design <laughs> both <laughs> but, um, but yeah. JR was making a crack there I saw about Princess Kelsey being the villain 
Veronica knows, maybe many of the other readers don't know because they may not have, have read the omnibuses and gotten the, the stories that were included in there, but there was a time where she crossed the line and she did bad things to bad people. Yep. There was, there, there was, there was blood involved. There was lots of hunting down people and killing them. Mm-hmm. Ah. Who doesn't do I mean, that it, every day? It was it was it was therapeutic target practice. The problem was the targets were still living, <laughs> and it wasn't exactly sanctioned. But that's princess, two problems. They came to kill her. They had it coming. Well, yeah. If you come to to inflict violence, and violence gets inflicted upon you, like I can't feel bad for the twelve guys that went into John Wick's house to kill him. I can't feel bad for them. They were stupid. You know, they knew what they were going to do. That's, that's actually, I'm not sure, they but that come. actually, that scene may have played a role in that short story. It may have. <laughs> <laughs> what is your problem, Freud? But if I'd done it, how could you tell me that I was wrong? The hell are you <gasps> singing? Chicago. Pop six squish. What? Pop six. Pop six Squish. Uh-uh, Sister Olipschitz. I'll put, I'll, it's a great, it's a, you Luddites. Oh my gosh. Essentially, it's a whole, the whole, the entire musical is a bunch of women who are convicted and who are on Murderer's Row in 1930s Chicago. And it is a whole, there, there's no good person in there. <laughs> Except one person who probably was wrongly convicted. And she doesn't speak a lick of English. Okay, then. Not, you said oh, Chicago, no, and I was like, are you talking about the band? Are you talking about the musical? Are you talking about a book? What are you talking about? The musical. However, well, now I know it. that. Now I know that. Because I was singing show tunes. I mean, I don't know Chicago's catalog well enough to know if they sang something that's pop six squish. I don't fucking know. Time Her husband fall onto that knife. <laughs> no, he ran into the knife. He ran into my knife ten times. It's like that. Uh, that Arnold Schwarzenegger go. Whatever happened to that? I let him go. Yeah, I let him go. Poor choice of words. Let her go. Poor choice of words. Drops her. <laughs> great scene in Dark Knight. Great, great scene. See, I remember Kelsey drop kicking somebody off of a cliff. That, that scene was actually pretty therapeutic for me to write that short story as well, because Kelsey was in a bad mental space. She needed to clean. She needed to clean things up. She so, needed a cleanser. She needed something. After all, this the short story took place right after she made the decision that her brother had to die and then stood aside and let him die. Mm. She was in a bad place. Balance bound to screw up family reunions, something fierce. It did, because, you know, it's hard to invite them back from that. Wow. Awkward. Well, Very he awkward. had tried to murder her father, so... What was that? Yeah, well, you know, family. He was crazy as a bed bug. Family's complicated. You know, things happen. People do things. Kind of a live and let kill. It's kind of of fun. The kind of ending that I had for him, where you just stand aside and let the villain do something that is going to result in their deaths, 
and you know it, but they don't. Okay. <laughs> there's a there's a scene in Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan where Khan has them dead to rights and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get around him and they come up with using the prefix codes to take control of Reliance shields and drop them. And Khan is like, "You need to send us that right now." Are you ready, Khan? Here it comes. <laughs> you know, how do I have your, uh, how do I have, uh, you know, any assurances? That, oh, I give you no assurances. In other words, I plan on blowing you out of the sky. <laughs> Ricardo Maltaban. Yeah. What a great actor. Oh, what a great, great, great movie. What a great there's, movie. There's a picture of him coming onto the set on SETI Alpha 5, and somebody's putting a little blow-up tattoo doll down on the floor. Oh, no! And he is, he's dressed as cotton, and he's just laughing his ass off because he thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> I can't remember what that guy's name was. Um, her, 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 shit. I'll just slaughter Herve Velichez? it. Yeah, there we go. Something like that, yeah. Something like that? Something Herve, like that. Hervé Velichez? I, I don't really remember. <laughs> it's just frightening in very, very many ways. Which actor or actress would make the most unbelievable villain? I don't know. I think sometimes... <laughs> oh, no. Betty no, White Betty? is a villain in in the movie Alligator or whatever the fuck it's called, uh, uh, Clear Pond Lake, something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Something like where they have a gigantic yeah. alligator in there. She's feeding the fucking thing. Yeah, she's a sassy broad. She totally, totally would be a villain. And, and that's and that's, I think it, it's it's maybe it's like your individual experiences. I will totally get behind a pretty popular girl being a villain. Mm-hmm. That that's just yes, yeah, Mean Girls. Oh my gosh, that that entire thing of it. Go Heather's look at the, li- go look at the live channel. Go look at live. Oh no. <laughs> That is pretty awesome. Oh my that Lord. is pretty awesome. You can tell that he just loves what is happening right there. I can't remember. Was was uh, Fantasy Island still going on when they made Con? It was not. It was not. It had been canceled by then, right? Yes. Okay. That's the <laughs> ugliest triple I've ever seen. <laughs> she gives grandma vibes like sweet old lady. Dude. Have you met some sweet old ladies? They're not so sweet old ladies. They will get you. I mean, there's, I mean, if you want a good example of that, what was it? The movie Election had Reese Witherspoon as Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Versus Matthew Broderick. And those are, you've two ridiculously, you know, wholesome actors who were generally cast, you know, in leading roles. And now one of them who, you know, has America sweetheart vibes villain. So, and, and true, I mean, from an actor standpoint, villains are fun to play. 
because you can play them and then have no responsibility afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> All the emotion, none of the consequence. <laughs> so, going back to Wrath of Khan, Khan as a villain is one of the best villains, fictional villains, that there was. Because he has concrete motivation, revenge. He has been wronged. He has a reason to be pissed. He's got a reason to be pissed. And Kirk bears that responsibility. They never came back to check on them. He He promised they would come back. He never did. He never did. He let the ball drop, and this happened. So he's a righteous man that could have been turned, probably was turned to something more peaceful until things went bad. And so the audience can live inside his head and understand the need for revenge. And they can sympathize. And that sympathy is what makes him a good villain. There's that crushing scene where Chekhov's got the, the earwig and he, he tells Kirk... He blames you for, and he can't even get the words out before Kirk says, I know what he blames me for. And it's that moment where you get the, even as a shitty actor as he is, you get the prompt because of the, 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 what you know about mm-hmm. what Khan has gone through and what you know Kirk knows now. Mm-hmm. And you can see it. Even as shitty an actor Shatner is, that comes off and is conveyed quite well in that scene. Because it's not a throwaway, don't bother me with this. It's like, I know. Don't fuck with me, I know. Well, you could have taken that entire script, that entire story, and flipped it around. You could have kept the characters exactly the same. And just said, I want it to end. I I want the audience to see Khan is the hero and Kirk is the villain. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have had to redo the characters. You would have just had to introduce a couple more scenes that build up for Khan versus Kirk. And that's it. And I think that that qualifier, if you can do that with your villain, and it would just be a couple little things, you know, where your story goes, that makes a good villain. That means that it's a well-rounded villain. And the story had consequences. Oh, big time. Died. It that was a true shock watching it as it happened in the theater. I was utterly blown away when that happened, when I realized they, were, they weren't going to pull back. Yep. They were going to do it. Yep. And I was like, holy shit, what am I watching? For those of us who grew up on, on uh, original series, the reruns, that was, Spock dying was huge. It was like, what the fuck? You did what? <laughs> and then they actually buried his ass at the end. You're like, oh my god, what the fuck happened here? So it just it. I remember that hit me really hard when I was 11 or 12. Whenever that movie came out, it was it was a pretty big punch, pretty big sucker punch to the head. So it would have been like Luke Skywalker dying. Is basically what it would have been like. It would have been like Chewbacca dying, or Chewbacca dying. Yeah, maybe that, or maybe Han Solo. Regardless, mm. it was it was it's carbonite. Don't you, eh. I don't count that. <laughs> you didn't know you can kill the good guys? Oh, yeah, you can kill good guys and do you it all the time. You absolutely can kill the good guys. I mean, Top Gun, Goose had to die so Maverick could keep going. It's usually not the, the primary good guys. 
Um, there are consequences for killing a beloved character. David Weber originally saw Honor Harrington dying near the end of what he see, saw as the series. But as he approached that point, he decided that he would be lynched if he actually did that and changed it. I, I mean, I've gotten... I know with Sick World Chronicle, we killed off a hero character that fans loved. I wrote the entire scene, except... Except for, like, the two sentences where Handsome Devil died. I choreographed the whole thing. I had Google Maps open. I blew up the the parking lot of the Varsity in Atlanta like nobody's business. I could tell you exactly what fire station. But like a poor marksman, you keep missing the target. Sorry. <laughs> Another Wrath of Kong quote. But, so, but when it came down to actually, like, I didn't want to take the responsibility for, you know, offing a character that people really, really loved. And so Misty wrote those sentences. But, yeah. And still, to this day, we shouldn't killed off Handsome Devil. Well, <laughs> the cast was huge and we needed to pare stuff down. Someone it made the most sense. I don't know how many characters I have that I'm going to keep out of harm's way. There's a lot of damage I could do in Derelict. There's a lot of damage I can do in the Tony Downs universe. There's a lot of damage I can do even in the Black universe coming up on Extinction. So I have a lot of opportunities and a lot of options. And I am personally looking forward to getting the reader comments. Let's start with, you son of a bitch. Because it needs to get done. And with that, if you have a comment or question about this show, you can send an email to show at DeadRobotSociety.com. You can find me on Mastodon at Paul underscore E underscore Cooley at V-Y-R-S-E dot social. You can find us at YouTube at YouTube.com slash DRS Podcast, where we are live every Saturday from 3 p.m. CST to 4 p.m. CST. Like and subscribe. You'll know when we're always there. You can find us on Facebook at the writers, listeners of something or other. I don't have the page up. I've forgotten it. I should really write this shit down. You can find us on Facebook. Go look for us. If you want to support the show. (laughs) Write your script someday, Paul, I swear. You can find us at patreon.com slash DRS podcast. And buymeacopy.com slash DRS podcast. Where for as little as $1 a month, you get access to exclusive live shows. Like the one we're going to be late for if we keep doing this. And at the, the Dead Robot Society writing community. Thank you. Why can I not? I have like a blind spot on that now. I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it's intentional but, now. It might be. At the $10 level, you get your name read, and our $10 patrons are Antoine Batts, Tony L. Joy, Rick Shaw, Lisa Slack, Isabel Cushy, and Tim Neerider. Thank you to all of our patrons for making this show possible. And that, we are out of here. And uh, for those of you who are patrons on uh, Patreon and BMAC, we'll see you guys in seven minutes. Enjoy your Saturday, folks. Go Texans. They're probably losing. But go Texans.